Hare Krishna, and we're starting on the way to Krishna. By His Divine Grace, Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. Page number one, chapter one, through way to happiness. Every one of us is searching after happiness, but we do not know what real happiness is. We see so much advertised about happiness, but practically speaking, we see so few happy people. This is because so few people know that the platform of real happiness is beyond temporary things. It is this real happiness that is described in Bhagavad Gita by Lord Krishna to Arjuna. Happiness is generally perceived through our senses. A stone, for example, has no senses and cannot perceive happiness and distress. Developed consciousness can perceive happiness and distress more intensely than undeveloped consciousness. Trees have consciousness, but it is not developed. Trees may stand for a long time in all kinds of weather, but they have no way of perceiving miseries. If a human being were asked to stand like a tree for only three days or even less, he would not be able to tolerate it. The conclusion is that every living being feels happiness or distress according to the degree of development of his consciousness. The happiness that we are perceiving, experiencing in the material world is not real happiness. If one asks a tree, are you feeling happy? The tree, if it could, might say, Yes, I am happy standing here all year. I'm enjoying Excuse me. I'm enjoying the wind and snowfall very much, etc. This may be enjoyed by the tree, but for the human being it is a very low standard of enjoyment. There are different kinds of and grades of living entities and their conceptions and perceptions of happiness are also of all different types and grades. Although one animal may see that another animal is being slaughtered, he will go right on chewing grass for he has no knowledge to understand that he may be next. He is thinking that he is happy, but at the next moment he may be slaughtered. In this way, there are different degrees of happiness. Yet, of all them, what is the highest happiness? Shri Krishna tells Arjuna. Sukhamatyantikam yatad budhigrahyam atindriyam vetiyatrana chaivayam sthitaschalatitatvata Quote, in that joyous state, Samadhi, one is situated in boundless, transcendental happiness and enjoys himself through transcendental senses. Established thus, one never departs from the truth. Unquote, Gita 6.21 Buddhi means intelligence. One has to be intelligent if he wants to enjoy. Animals do not have really developed intelligence and so cannot enjoy life as a human being can. 
the hands, the nose, the eyes, the other sense organs and all the bodily parts may be present on a dead man, but he cannot enjoy. Why not? The enjoying energy, the spiritual spark, has left and therefore the body has no power. If one looks further into the matter with a little intelligence, he can understand that it was not the body that was enjoying at all, but the small spiritual spark that was within. Although one may think that he is enjoying by the bodily sense organs, the real enjoyer is that spiritual spark. That spark always has the potency of enjoyment, but it is not always manifest due to being covered by the material tabernacle. Although we may not be aware of it, it is not possible for the body to experience enjoyment without the presence of the spiritual spark. If a man is offered the dead body of a beautiful woman, will he accept it? No, because the spiritual spark has moved out of the body. Not only was it enjoying within the body, but it was maintaining the body. When that spark leaves, the body simply deteriorates. It follows that if the spirit is enjoying, it must have its senses also, otherwise how can it enjoy? The Vedas confirm that the spirit soul, although atomic in size, is the actual enjoying agent. It is not possible to measure the soul, but that is not to say that it is without measurement. An object may seem to, to us to be no bigger than a point and may seem to have no length and no width, but when we perceive it under a microscope, we can see that it has both length and width. Similarly, the soul also has its dimensions, but we cannot perceive it, perceive them. When we buy a suit or dress, it is made to fit the body. The spiritual spark must have form, otherwise, how is that the material body has grown to accommodate it? The conclusion is that the spiritual spark is not impersonal, it is an actual person. God is an actual person, and the spiritual spark, which being a fragmental part of him, is also a person. If the father has personality and individuality, the son also has them. And if the son has them, we can conclude that the father has them. So how can we as sons of God assert our personality and individuality and at the same time deny them to our father, the Supreme Lord? Atindriam means that we have to transcend these material senses before we can appreciate real happiness. Ramante yoginonante satyananda chitatmani The yogis who are aspiring after spiritual life are also tasting enjoyment by focusing on the Supersoul within. If there is no pleasure, if there is no enjoyment, then what is the point of going to so much trouble 
to control the senses? What kind of pleasure are the yogis relishing if they are taking so much trouble? That pleasure is ananta, endless. Endless. How is this? The spirit soul is eternal and the Supreme Lord is eternal. Therefore, reciprocation of their loving exchanges is eternal. One who is actually intelligent will refrain from the flickering sensual enjoyment of this material body and fix his enjoyment in spiritual life. His participation in spiritual life with the Supreme Lord is called Rasa Lila. We have often heard of Krishna's Rasa Lila, Krishna's Rasa Lila, with the coward girls in Vrindavan. That is not like ordinary exchanges that take place between these material bodies. Rather, it is an exchange of feelings through spiritual bodies. One has to be somewhat intelligent to understand this. For a foolish man who cannot understand what real happiness is, seeks happiness in this material world. In India there is the story of a man who did not know what sugarcane was and was told that it was very sweet to chew. Oh, what does that look like? he asked. It looks like a bamboo rod, someone said. So the foolish man began to chew, began to chew all kinds of bamboo rods. How can he begin to experience the sweetness of sugarcane? Similarly, we are trying to get happiness and pleasure, but we are trying for them by chewing this material body. Therefore, there is no happiness and no pleasure. For the time being, there may be some little feeling of pleasure, but there is not actual pleasure, for it is temporary. It is like a show of lightning that we may see flashing in the sky, which may momentarily seem like lightning, but the real lightning is beyond that. Because a person does not really know what happiness is, he deviates from real happiness. The result Mm -hmm. The process for establishing oneself in real happiness is this process of Krishna Consciousness. By Krishna Consciousness we can gradually develop our real intelligence and naturally enjoy relishing spiritual happiness as we make spiritual progress. Haribo! As we begin to relish spiritual happiness we proportionately abandon material happiness. As we make progress in understanding the absolute truth, we naturally become detached from this false happiness. If somehow or other one is promoted to that stage of Krishna consciousness, what is the result? Yam labdvacha param labham manyate nadikam tatah Yasmin stito nadukena guru napi vichalyate Quote Upon gaining this, he thinks there is no greater gain 
being situated in that in such a position one is never shaken even in the midst of greatest difficulty unquote bhagavad gita 6.22 when one attains that stage other achievements appear insignificant in this material body we are trying to achieve so many things riches women fame beauty knowledge etc but as soon as we are situated in krishna consciousness we think oh no achievement is better than this krishna consciousness is so potent that a little taste can save one from the greatest danger as one begins to relish the taste of krishna consciousness he begins to see other so-called enjoyment and attainments as flat and tasteless as mm-hmm. you know i'm trying i was <laughs> i'm a little embarrassed when i'm making like small mistakes here and there but i had like two options either i'm reading monotonously but i'm getting everything every single word correctly or i'm reading like emotionally or like more lively like more alive but sometimes <laughs> i just get a little bit caught up and um mix the words so <laughs> excuse me so and if one is situated firmly in krishna consciousness the greatest danger cannot disturb him there are so many dangers in life because the material world is a place of danger we tend to close our eyes to this and because we are foolish we try to adjust to these dangers this is so true sometimes i'm amazed how much we can close our eyes upon for some reason right just close our eyes and just try to go on with life but it's nice to open our eyes sometimes to the actual knowledge we may have many dangerous moments in our lives but if we are training ourselves in krishna consciousness and preparing ourselves to go back home back to godhead we will not care for them our attitude will then be dangers come and go so let them happen It is very difficult to make this kind of adjustment as long as one is on the materialistic platform and is identifying with the gross body which is composed of perishable elements but the more one advances in krishna consciousness the more he becomes free from bodily designations and this material entanglement jai Okay, we're going to stop here for today. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. The link to this book will appear tomorrow. And uh, tomorrow we'll pursue with the ideas of this beautiful chapter. Oh, actually it's concluding very soon. Yes. So thank you so much for tuning in today. And we shall see you next time. Hare Krishna.